Welcome to the Learning to Thrive podcast, where we have real conversations with real people about real life. And now, here's your host and my friend, David Higginbotham. Welcome to the Learning to Thrive podcast. I'm David Higginbotham. I'm your host. And today I have a special guest with me, my dear brother, Tom Kalanoff. Hello, Tom. Hey, how you doing? Tom's the guy that you hear doing the introduction uh, on the podcast uh, uh, every time that we start and when we wrap up. Tom's helping me on the technical side of things. He's producing the episodes and helping me uh, stay out of the tall grass, <laughs> Tom, and I appreciate that, buddy. Tom is also a friend and uh, not just a guy who helps me here, but Tom and I, we've been friends for, I don't know, Tom, how long has it been? Gosh, I, we, eight, six, eight years, maybe. Yeah, it's been at least that long. It's been and a that, while. It's been a while. And Tom and I spend time together as brothers. And um, one of the things that <clears throat> that has happened in our relationship is that we've we started off as guys just getting to know one another. And we we became friends. And beyond being friends, we became brothers. And Tom is one of a group of guys that I used to meet with on a pretty regular basis when I lived in uh, the Kansas City area. And uh, we had a lot of breakfasts together, didn't we, Tom? Yes, we did. <laughs> There's some great times. We did. And so one of the things that we're, we're going to be doing here on the Learning to Thrive podcast is we're going to be presenting uh, bonus episodes, what we call bonus episodes. To the typical episode is a story. People are sharing stories from their lives of how they've discovered the grace and the mercy and the love and peace of God as they've moved along the way through the ups and downs and challenges and blessings that they've encountered. And one of the things that we are doing is preparing a series of episodes we'll call bonus that are going to going to deal with what I call the the, the six elements, the six key elements of learning to thrive in life. And these are things that I've learned along the way through a variety of um, means, through a variety of uh, encounters, through the study of the scripture, observation of my own life and other people's lives. And there, there are six key things. And these are things that Tom and I have talked about over the years with other guys. Mm-hmm. And so today we're going to introduce those as a set. I give you an overview of what these bonus episodes are going to be about. And we're switching the roles. Tom's going to be interviewing me and uh, asking me questions and asking me to clear things up as I talk. And uh, we'll get through these six, an overview of these six things today. And then in the coming weeks, each one of these will be dealt with uh, in an individual episode where we'll do a deep dive and talk about those things in, in terms of how they impact our lives and how we, how we learn to engage with these different things so that we can really learn to thrive at a higher level and thrive at a deeper level at the same time. Does that sound good to you, Tom? It sounds great. And uh, David, what's interesting is I, as I look at this list, uh, David sent me this little outline, six key elements of the journey. I'm looking at saying, oh, that one's the most important one. Then I go to the next one. I'm like, well, that one's the most important one. Then I go to the, anyway, (laughs) here here they are. But I mean, they're all so rich. And the first one is living loved. The second one, and these are not in order of importance. They're just numerical order. Living loved, loving others, abide daily, spirit walk, 
soul care and encouraging others. And again, each one just jumps out because they're all so important. The soul care one is something that is so neglected in the body of Christ. But again, we're going we're gonna to give you an overview, folks, of all six of these today. And then we're going to dive deeper with, I'll be interviewing David, we'll be diving deeper on each one in upcoming bonus episodes. So living loved, David. And one thing I will ask you, where did you, can you pinpoint a time where that truth, living loved, just really became part of your DNA, for lack of a better term? Yeah, yeah, actually, I can. As a matter of fact, the idea, the concept of living loved and learning what it means to be fully and completely loved, that's a phrase that I've used a lot. I was uh, I was coming out of a this really began oh probably 15 17 years ago 2004 2005 2006 during that time frame and um I was coming out of at that time about 30 years of various aspects of of church ministry and was decompressing from a lot of that I had seriously burned out and just couldn't keep going as I had been going. And I, I had, you know, detached myself from a lot of stuff, got a lot of stuff off my plate and just simply spent a significant amount of time just crying out to God, help me. I'm drowning here. And, and I, I went back to the scriptures. It's amazing how <clears throat> when we're busy doing stuff, we often leave or we move away from, or we turn from in terms of our focus, those key things that have been foundational in our lives. And that was true of me. At least I, rather than say that we do that, I should say that I did that. And I uh, went back to the scriptures been, and began to just to, to seek God to have greater understanding <clears throat> of what was essential. I mean, Tom, we get really busy doing stuff. And oftentimes we do a lot of good stuff, but I had learned I had learned how to do good stuff rather than to focus on and be locked into what was essential. And I came to the conclusion that the I, my core relationship with God was the essential thing, and I needed to get back to that and need to get established in that again. And that's where I began. I began with the scriptures and began to read through the gospels and just read. Just a long passage, long times, uh, long periods of time reading through the Gospels. And I read through uh, Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. And over a period, I was thinking about this just the other day as I was thinking about this conversation we're going to have. Over a period of about six or eight months, I read through the Gospels probably half a dozen times. And the thing that began to come out to me was. The, the way that Jesus dealt with his disciples and the way he represented the Father. And it, was, it just began to work into my heart in a deep, deep way. I had grown up in, I had grown up in a religious system that focused on the externals. I had focused on the externals. I had been raised in an environment, a religious environment, where how you looked and what you what you, how you presented yourself and what you said, you know, your haircut had to be right. Your clothes had to be right. The things that you did had to be right. The things that you didn't do had to be right. And you were considered 
a good Christian based upon those externals. Mm-hmm. And while I wouldn't have said that I believed those things, they were very still very much a part of my consciousness. And so when I was doing well, I felt well. And when I wasn't doing well, I didn't feel well. And I used to believe, I acted as if I believed. If you would ask me this, Tom, if you would say, David, do you believe this? I would have said, no, no, I don't believe that. But I acted as if I believed that God sat on a swivel throne. And when I sinned, he would turn away. He would spin that throne around and turn away from me. And I'm telling you, I lived my life. I'd been living my life at that time for 30 plus years in anticipation of the next time that I would fail God and he would turn from me. And I wouldn't talk about that, but that was what was going on in my heart. And through the scriptures, I began to realize that that wasn't how God was at all. I mean, you know, the, Paul tells us while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And he didn't die for the, the righteous. He died for the unrighteous. And Jesus said, the sick are the ones who need the doctor. And that's why I'm here. And it began to dawn on me that my understanding of God's love toward me was completely twisted and wrong. And the more I got into the scriptures, the more I came to understand and began to see that God's love was, was not just uh, an appendage. It was elemental. It was foundational. It was fun, fundamental. And I was remember, <clears throat> I was driving along. I remember the place that I was. I was coming from Lee Summit back over to where we lived in the Belton area in Kansas City, driving on 150 Highway. And the place was, it was under construction and they were doing some work. And I was having to sit and wait for a little while while they would, then they would let our lane go. <clears throat> and I'm sitting there and I've been months, I've been soaking in the scriptures and praying and thinking and just really asking God to give me understanding about, about where I was and who he was. And the thought just clarified in my mind that God loves me completely and fully. He always has, and he always will. And nothing anyone does is ever going to change that. And that thought just crystallized in my mind as a result of the months of engaging with the scripture and the months of prayer. And and it was like, boom, the light bulb just came on. Not a rheostat, you know, that slowly began. That happens a lot too with me, but it was like the switch was flipped and I sat there stunned on Highway 150 headed toward Belton from Lee Summit. And I I was just stunned and it was just clear. And I've been learning how to live as a person who's completely and fully loved by God ever since. It's been going on for these years. See, when you're, when you're completely loved by God, what that means is to me is that no part, there's no part of you that God doesn't love. There's, there, you know, I was sharing this with a guy one time and he said, well, yeah, but what about my sin? <laughs> I started laughing and I said, your sin is not you. Your sin, your sin is your action. It's what you do. And he said, what? And it just stunned him too. You know, 
To be completely loved by God means there's no part of me that God does not love. To be fully loved by God means there's no part of God that doesn't love me. See, a lot of us have grown up liking Jesus, but being really kind of scared of the Father and not really sure about the Holy Spirit. I mean, there's this dichotomy that goes on there. And the, the point is, there's no part of God that loves me and another part that doesn't. God is all one. And if there's any aspect, if, if Jesus loves me, that means the Father loves me and the Holy Spirit loves me. Because it's not like we've got these three that are put together like Lego toys. It's all one. And I've always been loved. I mean, th- this, is, this was a scary thought. And, and I didn't say it out loud to anybody for a long time. And that was this, Tom. And I said this to you. I remember talking with you about this and, and you and the other guys. And, and what I said was, you've never breathed an unforgiven breath. You've never breathed an unloved breath. Because God's love and graciousness has been poured out for you a long time before you were born, long time before I was born. And this idea that I've been completely and fully loved by God has arrested my life. And it is, I have spent and will spend the rest of my life learning what it means to live like a man who's completely and fully loved by God. And we're going to talk about that. Our first bonus episode beyond this one is going to be diving into that and looking at the scriptures and just finding how we can come to really grip, how we can really come to grips with that reality. You know, this first one, I'm not even going to ask you any questions or make any comments because it's so rich and so deep. We could do multiple hour-long episodes just on that. Now, the second one, loving others, learning to love others in the same way I'm being loved by God. Jesus talks about loving others, loving your neighbor as yourself. We don't really know what that means. I tell you. One of the things that is going to make a significant contribution to my ability to thrive in life is learning how to love other people in the same way that God loves me. Learning how God loves me is is critical. It's essential. The flip side of that coin is if God loves me like that and he asked me to love others, that I have to love others with the same love that he's loved me. And you're right. It's a, it's it's a, it's critical. The, the 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 primary conflict that people have in life, the primary conflicts that people have in life, are with those people who are closest to them. You know, you don't have a conflict with a mailman who works in another neighborhood. You, you know, or the guy who even drops off your mail. You you don't have a conflict with that. You have a conflict with your brother with your sister, with your husband, with your children. Our greatest conflicts come from those people that are closest to us. And learning how to love those people in the same way that Jesus has loved me. We look at the life of Jesus. Uh, and, and I tell you what, it's an inconvenient look. It is. It's, it's just it's inconvenient. you, you got to be careful when you're studying the life of Jesus because it's, <laughs> it's really inconvenient. And he said, because he says, you go and do the things that I'm doing. It's, it's really, really challenging. And so I think number two, loving others, it flows out of learning how to live loved. The more I come to understand the Father's love for me, the more I come to embrace that and to receive that 
frankly, the easier it is for me to love you. Now, it's still challenging because I have flesh and I've got brokenness and I have immaturity in my life. But I'm not going to flourish in life very much if I don't know how loved I am by God. And I'm not going to flourish in life very well if I'm not treating other people and letting that love that is developing in me flow out of me and touch the lives of other people around me. Those two are just essential. Mm-hmm. And, you know, folks, just so you know, David, he's going to have a document that is going to be kind of fleshed out with right now. I have what I'm looking at, just some bullet points. But the last bullet point you have here under loving others, you can only give to others what you have received. Yeah. And that when we realize we can only give what we've received, we can have more grace for others. We need to have grace for ourselves. We need to have, we can, we can have more grace for others realizing maybe they don't know what it means to be loved. Maybe they were never loved. Mm. So. mm. Yeah. See, it's one of those things that Paul, in one of his letters, he's talking about listing, listing all of these people that are, you know, the, the, the challenges and destroyed lives. And he uses this phrase, which is just really powerful. And he says, and such were some of you. Mm-hmm. And it's really easy if you if you think you're doing well and you think you're doing well because of who you are and what you are, it's easy to look at other people who you don't think are doing so well and to wonder why do, why they don't just get their stuff together. <laughs> you know what I mean? I you know, know exactly what you mean. Why don't they just get the but I tell you the the one who knows he's been forgiven much loves much. Oh, yeah. It's like the woman who brought that that alabaster box, you know, that very expensive perfume was pouring it out to anoint his feet. And 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 she's being criticized for that. That what that extravagant kind of thing. What is that? But she knew she had been deeply, deeply, deeply forgiven and touched by the life of God through Jesus. And her her heart of love was overwhelming out of that and overflowing out of that. Mm-hmm. It's 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 really it's a it's a key element, which is why I've got it on the list there, because it's Absolutely. been a key element in my life. Now the next one, abide daily, learning to live, excuse me, learning to find my life's identity and security in Christ. There's eight bullet points. But the one I want to focus on, I want you to address right now, if you want, is your relationship with God is not based on your performance, but on his. What do you mean by that? Well, we've all grown up at some level in a performance-based acceptance kind of environment. Uh, I did, you did. Mm -hmm. It's, It's a rare person that I talk with. Who said all of my? Who has said all of my life growing up? I felt completely loved and accepted by everyone around me. That's pretty rare. <laughs> I suppose it might exist somewhere, but I've never really come across it. And there's nothing that you can do that's going to enhance, or develop, or strengthen, or grow God's love and acceptance of you. There, there just isn't, because His love and acceptance of you is not based on anything that you do. His love and acceptance of you is based upon what he has done. The the sin issue has been dealt with. 
Now, this gets me in trouble. It's got me taken off a number of Christmas card lists. But the truth is, God has never counted any of your sin against him. Any of your sin against him, he has never counted any of those sins which you've done against him. He's never counted those against you. Now, you may have a problem with that, but you can take it up with Paul. You know, the guy with a saint in front of his name wrote large sections of what we call the New Testament. He's the one who said that God was in Christ in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting their sins or their transgressions against them. And so when you came into the world, Tom, the sins that you were going to commit had already been dealt with by the completed work that Jesus did that first resurrection weekend. Mm. There was no sin issue between you and God. Now, you grew up hearing that there was, and you grew up believing that there was. But from God's point of view, there wasn't any sin issue between you and him. That's what I mean. Your relationship with God is not based on your performance, but on his. The question is, the question isn't, is God going to love you? The question isn't, is God going to accept you? The question isn't, is God going to forgive you? He's already done all that. The question is, will you receive it? Will you receive the gift that he's offering? And that's what I mean by abiding daily, learning to live my life, learning to find that my life's identity and security is in Christ. I tell you, and I when I say this, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to say it anyway. It's my podcast, and I can kill it if I want to. <laughs> okay. In Christ, Tom, you're as holy as you're ever going to get. Yeah. In Christ, I'm I'm as holy as I'm ever going to get. It's a waste of my time for me to try to make myself a better man. I'm not going to make myself a better man. I just am who I am. I can grow in my understanding of him. I can grow in receiving his grace, and I can allow his love and his grace and his mercy and his spirit to begin to change me internally and allow me to become a more mature man, a more loving man, a more compassionate man. But I can't make myself into any of those things. My relationship with God is based on what he has done. Will I receive it or not? And if I can learn how to get up in the... Listen, if you get up in the morning and the first thing that happens in your brain when your feet hit the floor is to say to yourself, you're completely and fully loved by God right now. And today... If you will just rest in what God has done for you and your identity is, you find your identity in who he is and what he has done rather than who you think you are and what you can do, you're going to be in a secure place, buddy. That's going to set a tone Mm -hmm. for the day. That's what I mean by by a day. One comment I'll throw out on that. Uh, Maybe we'll have a bonus episode. I have some notes from some of those early, early meetings and I, I, I wish we had video of our faces because David, this is the way I put it, David would drop these bombs out on the table. And, and the look on our faces must have been just priceless because oh, one, they of were. The, one of the ones he dropped out there was God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And then he said, was he successful? 
Yeah. <laughs> 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 we're, we're sitting there going, uh, <laughs> <laughs> look, look at the time. Look at the time. I got to go. But yeah. So anyway, <laughs> I know we need to move on, but it was like, wow. Next one, number four, spirit walk, learning to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. And I won't even hit any points, just whatever you want to say on that. Well, if we believe that God has sent his spirit into the world to do his work in this day and in this time, Jesus said, my father's work and he's working until now. And so am I. And and Jesus said that you're going to receive power once the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Once you begin to engage with the Holy Spirit, you're going to be, he, he, it was the implied, it was implied. You're going to be able to do the things that I'm telling you to go do. And my mindset is basically God's up to stuff. You know, he's up to stuff. He's doing things. He's up to stuff where I work. I work in a, with a group of people, and he's doing stuff in their lives. He's up to stuff. Is there a neighborhood in the world where the Holy Spirit's not working, drawing people to the Father? Is there a business someplace? Is there a school? You know, God is at work in the world, and he is at work in and through the working of his Holy Spirit and the cooperative participation of those of us who belong to him and name his name. And if we learn how not to do and ask God to bless, that's what I was raised on, okay? Go attempt great things for God and pray that he shows up. No. But if we can learn how to ask, like Henry Blackaby taught years ago that just sort of really changed my, messed my mind up, I tell you. Asking, Lord, are you doing something here that I can mm-hmm. participate in? Is there, is there something going on here in this person's life that, that I can, is there something that you want me to do here? Can I speak a word of encouragement? Can I just, what is it? Because the spirit of God is working. And if, if I'm one of the things that helps me to thrive in life is, is learning that I can participate with the work that God is doing in the world, learning how to keep in step with what the Holy Spirit's doing. Rather than trying to do my own thing and just hope that good stuff happens, why not focus on how can I cooperate with what the Spirit of God is already doing? What is that he's doing? How can I, how can I learn to hear his voice? How can I learn to, to, to follow his leading in my heart? That's a big deal to flourishing. If you have a sense, Tom, an ongoing, growing, and developing sense of God's presence in your life, and you're having the opportunity to cooperate with him, you don't have to create something. Just cooperate with him. That's going to be a significant factor in how well you feel like you're flourishing in life. And by the way, every one of these is about learning. You know, learning to keep in step with the spirit, you know, know, learning to find my life's identity and security in Christ, learning to love others in the same way that I've been loved, learning to live life as a person who's completely and fully loved by God. This is the journey. Learning. 
this is the this is an excited trade. <clears throat> Let me just be real honest here. Nobody else is listening, just you and me. <clears throat> Excuse me. I never imagined that in my mid-60s I would have this kind of passion for life in Christ. It, I never imagined that I could wake up in the morning and have an anticipation of what God might be doing in me today, of what God might do at, at, my, at my work, with my office, with the people that I encounter. And I don't know what's going to happen. I have no clue. But I know something is, and bit by bit, step by step, I'm learning how to just sort of just to connect with that. It, it is, it's given vitality to the golden years of my life, realizing that I have an opportunity to connect with what God is doing in his kingdom. And I'm just a regular guy. I'm not some dude with a business card and a name on a door and, and, and big, I, I'm not that guy. I am not the star. I'm just a regular guy. And you know what? I believe that I can learn to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. And I mess it up sometimes, and sometimes I get it right. But it's, it's an element that helps us to flourish in life. The Holy Spirit's working, and if I can learn to keep in step with him, that's going to help me. I know we need to move on. One thing I want to ask you, though, we probably have all different backgrounds represented in terms of yeah, the there's a wide, there's a wide range. What would you say to those that are like, Holy Spirit, ooh, you know, they're maybe a little concerned, maybe they don't know. It seems like half the church is scared of the Holy Spirit. And with good reason. And with good reason. <clears throat> there, 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 there have been plenty of reasons for people to be scared of the Holy Spirit, to use that in quotes, okay? Mm -hmm. Because of the things that have been represented as being the work of the Holy Spirit. Right. And <clears throat> here's what I say, and I have had to do this on a number of occasions, say, well, look, are you comfortable with Jesus? Well, yeah. Okay. Then talk to Jesus. I mean, again, we're not talking about, you know, three gods, and we're not going to get into the that, right. but we're talking about one God in three persons, okay? But then, then fine, talk to Jesus. Jesus, help me to keep in step with you today. Wonderful. That, that, you, you know, the Holy Spirit's not going to go, what? You're talking to Jesus and not me? Well, huh. No, it's God. God's doing his work. It's in his kingdom. And, and you know what? If, if, if focusing on and relating uh, to Jesus as opposed to the Holy Spirit, if that, gives you a, if that makes you more comfortable, then fine. You know something? <clears throat> Tom, I don't think God gets nearly as chapped as we think he does. Exactly. I mean, you think the God who took nothing and made everything is going to get upset with you because you don't quite have things worked out? <laughs> no. I, don't, I don't think so. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm, I get on a soapbox here. I'll put no, it on. No, that's good. Let's go but on to the next. Soul care, number five, learning to nurture and care for my heart and soul. And some of my favorite authors hit on that point pretty hard. The, the whole idea if you're in a plane, the oxygen mask drops, you need to put yours on first. There's a lot of weird ideas out there regarding soul care, that it's selfish, that it's, but 
what would you say to somebody that thinks, ah, that's frivolous. That's, that's not necessary. What would you say to somebody? I'm going to use a highly theological biblical term in responding. (laughs) Let me get my pen. Okay. That's bogus. Yeah. I I would have said something else if we weren't recording it, but Mm -hmm. that's bogus. Right. I mean, if the scripture says, take care of your heart. Yes. Because out of your heart flow what? The issues of life. The issues of life. You're going to live life from your heart. And I know a lot of people who don't really like that. They're more intellectual. They're more brain-focused as opposed to emotion-focused. I get it. There's a variety of personalities. Everybody's not like me. I, I tend to get a little over the top. I tend to get kind of passionate when I'm communicating. Uh, I have a cognitive factor as well. But if you're not caring for your soul, if you're not making sure that you are are that your emotional well-being is being you're, you're being cared for emotionally. If, if, if you have unresolved conflicts and brokenness in your past, they aren't in your past. They are in your future as well because they are in your present and stuff is in your present. It's going to be in your future. And you've got to learn how to seek help and to find help to bring resolution to brokenness and things in your path. You've got to care for your soul. I've, I've been in burnout twice. Okay, Tom, I've been in burnout twice. And it's, uh, it's not a good place to be. Right. And it is, it's not healthy. And, and uh, here's the, here are the options, Tom, as far as I see it. You can either nurture and care for your soul and keep yourself emotionally and spiritually healthy or not. One's going to lead to good things and one's going to lead to bad things. You make your choice. But you're not going to be flourishing a life if you're not learning how to take care of your heart and your soul. You're not going to be flourishing in life because you're going to, you're just not. And we'll talk about that. When we dive into that one, we're going to talk. We may have a couple of issues, a couple of episodes about that because it's really important. Learning how to take care of you so that you're in a better position to care for and nurture the hearts and souls of other people. Really important. So much there, but I'm going to go to the last one because we're just doing an overview. Encouraging others learning to mentor others on their journey. And there's, you got half a dozen or five different bullet points there. But the last one, I just want to focus on that community because there's this idea and we've had a lot of conversations about this and we will probably hit, you will probably hit on this in some of your episodes in the future. But this idea of that because somebody goes to church and there's no church bashing going on on this podcast, but because somebody goes to church, that they have community. Um, The whole idea of community and in the context of community, encouraging others, how would you unpack that just in this overview? Community is, community is the relational dynamic where we share life together. It might be a small community. You may have two or three or four people that 
when you're thinking of, hey, let's get together with let's get together with some friends and do something. These are the people you call. Or, oh my goodness, there's this thing we're facing. We need some prayer. These are the people you call. It's it's community is that relational dynamic where life is lived and life is shared. And um, we, the scripture talks about iron sharpening iron. And so one man sharpens another. And you and I had the privilege for a couple of years, maybe of, of regularly with several other guys Mm -hmm. making time, getting together Saturday morning at the Hy-Vee cafe Mm -hmm. there at the Hy-Vee grocery store in Belton, Missouri, having a little breakfast and talking about life. I mean, about half the time when we got together, Tom, we just talked about life. Right. Other times we shared life in Christ together. We we had spiritual conversations. We had marriage conversations. We had business work conversations because we were sharing life together. I think if we're not looking for that opportunity, um, we're missing out. And learning how to encourage others is the expression of, of discipleship. You see, I think that organic relational discipleship is what Jesus was pointing to when he sent his apostles into the world and said, go make disciples of all nations. He doesn't give them any instructions, no written instructions on how to do that, but they managed to go do it. And they pretty much followed what he did. And, 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 if we're going to be flourishing in life, one of the things that we, one of the things that helps us to flourish in life is, is learning how to connect with other people and to help them. See, you and I have had conversations in the past where there was a real opportunity for me to speak into your life and to bring some encouragement or some help for you to speak into my life and offer some encouragement or help. That is the nature of community. It's it's the kind of thing that grows out of that organic relational connection that two people, three people, half a dozen people, a dozen people can build together over time. It will not happen if you're not spending time together. Mm -hmm. So what would be a couple of practical ways you would throw out as we're wrapping this up? how we can encourage each other in a practical way, but in a meaningful way. On, on encouraging others. Yeah. Let me tell you something I'm doing now. I'm every day. I try to do it every day. I'm remembering to do it pretty much every day. I, I just scroll through my, my contact list on my phone. And I find somebody that I, oh, oh, you know, I hadn't talked to this guy in a while. And I'll send them a voice message. I'll use, if they have, not all phones have it. If, but, but rather than a text, rather than written text, if I have the opportunity, and I did this with you the other day, yep. right, you know, yep. I, I, I send that voice message, you know, 30, 45, 50 seconds. They hear my voice. And it typically goes like this. Tom, hey, David Higginbotham here. I hadn't talked to you in a while. I just want you to know I appreciate you, buddy. 
I was praying for you recently, or I'm praying for you this morning, asking for God's grace and his mercy and his love and his peace to be poured out in your life today. And I just want to remind you of something, Tom. Listen, this is really important. No matter where you are or what's happening in your life today, you are completely surrounded by the love and the grace and the mercy and the peace of God. Mm-hmm. Go with him, buddy. Bye. And that's it. Yep. And when you get something like that out of the blue, <laughs> I can't tell you how many times it doesn't happen every time, but I can't tell you how, I mean, a lot of the times I get back, someone says, Oh, thank you. I really needed to hear that today. Sometimes I don't get a response at all. And that's okay. It's not about me feeling good. It's about me offering a word of encouragement or love to someone else. Maybe God will use it to to encourage them. Excellent. Yeah, so that, that gives you an overview. Again, the six key elements, living loved, learning to live as a person who is completely and fully loved by God. The next one, loving others, learning to love others in the same way I'm being loved by God. The third, abide daily, learning to find my life's identity and security in Christ. Number four, spirit walk, learning to keep in step with Holy Spirit. Number five, soul care, learning to nurture and care for my heart and soul. And number six, encouraging others, learning to mentor others on their journey. Whatever you want to say to wrap it up today, David. Go for it. Tom, I am fully convinced that this is what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. However long that might be. I'm hoping it's, I'm hoping it's a long time that I get to see my grandchildren grow up and married and have their own families. I mean, that's where I would love to go, but I don't know. None of us do. But I, I do know that the thing that pumps through my heart, the thing that is a part of my energy, the thing that is a part of my sense of God's timing and the calling on my life today is walking this walk and, and doing number six, encouraging others, learning to mentor others as they are on their journey. That's the, that's, that's why I have it. Number six is because it's that anchor, you know, it's that thing that I do with all the others learning how to allow God to help me touch your life is a game changer. Definitely. And so this is not a thing that I'm doing, you know, I'm putting this book together and then I'm going to have this video series. No, 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 no. This is my life. This is, this is what I'm doing in my life. And you know, because you've been a part of it when this was really, in the early stages of the development. I've been doing this for years. I've been learning, 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 learning. I've been learning these things and will continue to learn these things for years. You know, when I'm on my deathbed, when when I'm at that place where I'm ready to go be with God, it is my sincerest hope and desire that if if my memory still works, (laughs) I'm able to look back and just say, yeah, this is a person the Lord connected me with. And this is a person. If I'm not, it is my sincere desire that when people learn of my transition onto heaven, that, that there are hundreds and hundreds of people across the country who will say, oh, man, Higginbotham's gone to be with Jesus. Wow. God really used him in my life. Mm-hmm. You see, 
that is the thing that stirs in my heart. And that, that's the thing that can stir in your heart too. N- not that exact model, but, but, but having that sense of God is leading you into a place where he's going to give you the opportunity to cooperate with him and share your story and your life and the thriving that's occurring in you, touching your neighbors and your people at work and your family members. Because we, we are the conduit, Tom. We are the conduit of the life and the presence of the grace and the mercy and the peace of God to other people. And that's what this podcast is about. And uh, as much as I'm able, that's what I'm wanting my life to be about. And David, I, I want to just take a moment since I'm interviewing you, uh, just take a moment to honor you because our relationship has been still, ha- still there's that dynamic, but Initially, it was a mentoring, a very strong mentoring role. There is, there's still flavors of that in our relationship. But folks, you need to understand, if you don't know David, or you're just coming to know David, he is a man that has been walking this thing out for a long time and learning and growing. And, and he doesn't want to just do another thing. I don't know. I think you gave me a number once how many podcasts there are out there. There's a million plus. (laughs) Why do we need another podcast? Well, we've talked about podcasts years ago. We've talked about some different things, but it it wasn't until the Lord really put this on David's heart to to talk about people, their journey, and how they are learning to thrive and how they're growing. It wasn't until that kind of crystallized that David wanted to launch this podcast. And it's true with his other writings and everything else he's doing. He's not just wanting to add to the noise and add to the conversation just to have something out there. Yeah. He wants to truly bring something meaningful, something that's going to encourage people, something that's going to, no pun intended, help them learn to thrive. Yeah. And and so, David, I honor you, man. I'm so glad to be your friend. I'm so glad to be working well, I, with you on this project. I, I appreciate that, Tom. I really do. And uh, we're going to do some of these things together. I mean, and I'm looking forward to what God's going to do going forward from here. So thank you all for listening. And, and you'll hear more of this coming forward in the next few weeks. Godspeed to you all. Talk to you later. Thank you for choosing the Learning to Thrive podcast. We hope you have been encouraged. Please check the show notes where you can learn more about today's episode. Give us a rating, tell your friends, and join us again next week. Together, we are learning to thrive.